way do we want? You know, it's great in these special occasions to celebrate and, and, and remember these great times, you know, and Palm Sunday seemed, they call it triumphal entry, but Jesus was heavy of heart. Jesus' heart was heavy and broken when he was coming into the city. And, and we're going to look at that today as we're going to dovetail our, our uh, one to the power of one, each one disciple one series. If you're new with us, visiting with us today, we've been in this series learning how to become disciples. And we've moved now into the second half of that, the second section called um, make, that make disciples, making disciples. And you see your outline. They're going to be, I know it's kind of busy. You look at it and it's like, what do I read here? And maybe, I hope it's not too confusing for you, but you'll see kind of a watermark that has the D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E down the side. And, and then uh, the two that we're focusing on are going to be in darker letters that you can see, but hopefully still able to read the notes that we have for you. I encourage you to grab that and, and follow along, fill in the blanks, write other notes as God inspires you to do so as we go along. I've known some of you, especially when we started to get in the game, that you started getting three-ring notebooks and you hole-punched these and you've kept uh, the series kind of together. Uh, so, uh, and, and you can go online and get all the notes printed off with the answers in them. We, each week we put the notes up ahead of time so you can come on your device and you can pull up the notes online and, and enter on a fillable PDF. You could take your notes on your device if you wanted to. Um, and then if you missed it, you can go and listen online. There's audio recordings and the notes. There's blanks you can print out. You can sit there and listen and fill in the blanks. Or you can have the cheat sheet with the answers in it and listen. Um, so just to let you know that tool is available for you. As we think about making disciples and starting in the D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E, today, uh, and thinking about Palm Sunday and, and Jesus coming, uh, what Jesus was doing was kind of like recruiting. He's recruiting people into his way. You want your way or my way? And I'm going to show you my way. And many will reject it. But I'm recruiting those who will sign with me. It made me think as we've had athletic uh, images, I think of recruiting. And I like USC. And, uh, oh, Tad, Jane's not here today. <laughs> but she would like it. She used to work for USC. Uh, this is Adore Jackson. You'll see these images every time that a new season's coming around. It's the new recruiting season, signing day. This is when Adore Jackson signed his letter of intent. He's a wide receiver and defensive back that's really done great uh, for USC. They put on their hat. They sign their letter. They'll, they'll hold up a shirt with their, their name on the back of it, with their number, you know, and they are identifying, I am now a USC Trojan. Go Trojans. The V sign. And God is wanting us to recruit people for his way, that we start um, identifying with him. And of course, the greatest identifier, he said, is they will know you are Christians by your love, your love. And as we look at Jesus coming in on Palm Sunday, there was no greater act of love. He had committed to his ministry but this was the first step of pursuing the cross. This was the not not really because he pursued it in all the times he was avoiding it. He was saving this time to fulfill all of prophecy and scripture and to have his ministry come to full season. Every bit of his ministry was pursuing the cross for you and me. Even when he said, don't tell people my time has not yet come. He wasn't saying I'm avoiding that day. He says I'm protecting that day. So it's the perfect time. For all men. And, and so he was pursuing it. But here he is now physically bringing his ministry. He would heal people and tell them to shh, don't tell people. But he healed somebody and he brought him into town with him. 
and 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 they were praising him, and he wasn't. In fact, some said to make him be quiet. The, the Pharisees wanted him to tell his followers to be quiet. And he said, "If they're quiet, the rocks are going to cry out." My time has come. And if you've been in this church for the last couple of years, you've heard me preach and develop that that passion that Christ had as coming in started Passion Week, pursuing the cross for you and me. But here's what happened as he approached the city in Luke 19, 41 and 42. As he approached Jerusalem. And saw the city, he wept over it. You see, Adore Jackson, when he came to USC and people were like going, Adore, yeah, baby, yeah, you're the man. You know, he was like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> Jesus was about to have all of Jerusalem saying, Jesus, you're the man. <laughs> victory. But he knew they were thinking of the wrong kind of victory. Before coming in and seeing and knowing what would happen, he wept over the city and said, If you, even you, Jerusalem, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. See, the day wasn't about Jesus. It was about the people in his mind. And, and so this heart is what we're going to embrace in our continuing of the series of one to the power of one, making disciples, D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E. And today we're going to look at the D and the I of that acronym, which is develop intentional relationships and identify spiritual understanding levels. See, Palm Sunday is kind of the epitome of, of you know, Jesus riding into town. He knew our level of spiritual understanding. Jesus is God. He, he created us. He was there when sin broke our relationship with Him. He, 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 in the beginning was the Word, and this is what Dr. David talked about, in the was the beginning. <laughs> um, in the beginning was, but God was in the beginning, and the Lord Jesus was. In the beginning, beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and, and then the Word made His dwelling among us. And, and so Jesus knew our level of understanding intimately, and He came from heaven, he came from the right hand of God to develop intentional relationships with us. He became flesh to meet us in our flesh. And he had some other words about, you know, the, well, the question is, how do I love him as he loves me? He has another passage of scripture in John that you see there before you, John 15, 9 to 17, that, that he will be talking and, and showing us some clues about his love. And so throughout the day today, as we're looking at making other disciples, ask ourselves, ask yourself with me, do I love others as he loves me? And here's what he said in John. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you 
This is my command. Love each other. Here's a lot of words of Jesus talking about how He loved us. He, he loves us as the Father has loved us. And let's pull some clues out of this. And one of the greatest things I see in this that's in Palm Sunday, in the weeping over Jerusalem in His heart and then calling us to love as He does, is this point, your first blank there, that love aches for the best for others. You love somebody. You want the best for them. I look at my kids growing up. And of course, the best for them is to come to know the Lord Jesus personally. How I ache for my kids to take the the religious environment of the home that they're just kind of picking up through bedtime prayers and conversations we have and praying with them in the car on the way and telling them that God has a perfect plan for them, thanking them for the teachers that are helping shape them and mold them and be sharp for whatever God's plan for them is and praying blessings on them and trying to just immerse them in not just religious practice, but in a real relationship with God that our home has. But we ache for the best for people that we love, don't we? When you love someone, don't you hate to see them doing something that is destroying their life? That is damaging them and the relationships that they're in? Yeah. So love, and we see that in Jesus where He says, Oh, remain in my love. This is what's best for you. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. I love you. I'm not saying obey me so I feel good about myself as God. He's saying, oh, obey me so you can stay in my love because that's where you're designed to be. I ache for you and I'm calling you into being in my love so that your joy may be complete, so that you might go and bear fruit, have a productive life for greater things than this world and fruit that will last rather than the fruit that will die with this earth. I ache for the best for you. We hear that in that passage of Scripture My joy, as the Father has loved me, that love being passed on to us. That's His heart and His desire. So, as love aches for the best, it has to do two things in its in its interaction with the ones that they love. This is how Jesus loves us, and we're asking ourselves, do I love as Jesus loves me? And so one thing that becomes necessary is that love, because it wants the best, it will call those it loves to make the right choice. Oh, please, make the right choice. A choice of addiction and darkness and brokenness versus a a choice of of wholeness and wellness. A a choice of of God versus following humanistic ways, which is Satan's path. As long as we're missing the path with God, we're on Satan's path. Listen to what Jesus says. Remain in my love. You have responsibility. You have, you have this, this choice and this free will. You must remain in my love. And, and I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Your joy may be complete. Again, it's calling it to the right choice. Here's an option. A and B. Stay in my love or don't. Please. I ache for the best for you. Remain in my love. And it calls also... Not only calling to the right choice, but because we want the best, love has to call from the wrong choice for people that we love. This can get confusing in how we hear this. It may not sound very loving, but Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You are my friends if you do what I command. And our human mind says, well, la-di-da. 
What if I went up to you and said, you know, you'll be my friend if you do everything I want you to do. If I came and said that to you, you'd be like, don't need friends like that. Thank you. Got enough of them. But we see we project our, our human understanding of selfishness onto a totally selfless God. Jesus does not have a selfish bone in his body. He is love. And he aches for the best for you and me and your co-workers and your fellow students and your family members. He aches for the best. And he's going to call away from the wrong and say, look, if you don't obey my commands, you're outside of the umbrella of my love and my care for you. And you're missing the best that I have for you. I'm calling you away from the wrong choice. Hebrews says, never will I leave you nor forsake you, quoting, quoting God from uh, Joshua, from the passage in Joshua. So God isn't saying, well, you don't do what you're doing, I'm out of here. No, it's, it, if you don't respond and obey and choose the best option, then you're out from under the blessing and the care that I want to fill your life with. You're taking yourself out of position for it. And so love will call away from the wrong choice. And this is what the world doesn't want to hear from the church. This is what we have to be careful. But we, we do need to call people to the right choice. And we do have to call people away from wrong choices. You know, I've shared with you before, and, and maybe many of you haven't heard, and, but just to remind you, and I was with some of these teens yesterday. When I was a youth pastor, um, I had a night where we let them go in groups and say, what do you like about youth group? What do you want to do? What kind of, they went in their care groups and they talked and then they came back together. And it kind of ended up being kind of like, well, here's the things we don't like, but kind of more of a criticism session. And, and if you remember, if you've heard me share this before, one of the guys said, you know, James, when we're playing roller hockey, we, we used to play roller hockey three, four, five, ten nights a week um, with the youth group and, and you know, as, as part of the ministry. And so... It's competitive, it's athletic, a little physical, and so sometimes attitudes would get a little bad, so I'd have to go and sit down until I cooled off. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I would, you know, sometimes I had to say, okay, guys, you know what, we're done. Let's pick up the nets, take them in. We're losing. You know, we had some new guys that would come and play that weren't in the youth group and we're trying to be witnesses to them. And so, and so the guy says, you know, James, when we're playing roller hockey, we, can you, and you, you like stop and take the nets in. Can you not, when we're playing hockey, we don't want you to be our youth pastor. We just want you to be our friend. And, and what I had to respond without trying to come across defensive was, we can't be friends if you won't let me be who I'm intended to be in your life. We can't be friends if, I, if you need me to be something I'm not. You need me to be something other than what God's called me to be. That's you being friends with what I'm not. Not, not, you being, not us being friends as who we are. And, 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 and see, for us to be Christ's friends, we have to let God be God. That's kind of like us saying to God, you know, God, I really don't like all this judgment stuff and conviction stuff. You know, so you know, when I come to church to worship you and sing, I just want to feel good. So don't be God. You know, I mean, just just do everything I ask in my prayers and let me into heaven. and We'll be good. But don't be God. See, now that's not being God's friend. We can't be friends with him to ask him to be what he's not. Or to not be what he is. And, and so Jesus is not saying, bow to me, kowtow to me, and, and I'll let you have these blessings. 
He's saying, oh, this is the way it's designed. I am who I am. And the only way you can experience that is to let me be who I am. Let me be. I love you and I ache for what's best for you. And I'm riding into town to be nailed on an ugly, hideous cross, beaten beyond recognition as a man to show you that it's about you. It's not about me. Because when everyone's praising me on a donkey, I'm crying over it. And when they're nailing me to a cross, I'm saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I love mankind. That is what God's heart is in this. And Jesus is aching for the best. And we need to let the world know, yes, we have a truth. Yes, there's wrong choices. But are we loving like Christ did where we're putting ourselves in that bridging of that gap that they know that we love them and that we earn that right to call them to the right choices and away from the wrong choices. Let's go back to that passage from Palm Sunday and do the whole context around it, uh, finishing up the rest of the verses, at least in this portion. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now, these weren't words they wanted to hear from the guy they thought was going to deliver them from their enemies, governmentally, politically. They thought they were going to be the victors and raised to power. And he's saying, you know, (laughs) well, of course, not many of them heard this. I don't know who all was in earshot of him saying this, but you see, Jesus saw the tough truth. You're choosing the wrong path. You want me to be what I'm not meant to be. You want me to be a, on a white stallion, bringing governmental power to you, and I'm coming to provide a, a, an offer for all of mankind, Jew and Gentile alike. And here's going to be a consequence. There's tough love. It's like when you're watching your children and they're going down a path that's heading towards a cliff, and, and how's that for the stereotypical, if all your friends would jump off a cliff, would you follow them? You know, that stereotypical parent statement. But if you see your kid walking for something dangerous, we, we get out, we get on them. You know, we care and we'll let them know, don't go that way, don't go that way, stop! And so Jesus, even in the, the speaking the truth, and, and we, look at, we look at Israel, if you look at a map, I should have put a picture of it up here since I like doing that, but I didn't. You look at a map of Israel and you, you make all the Muslim countries in that area one color and Israel another, guess which, guess which little spot is the only one of its color on all of its borders? Israel is socked in. Some of the countries a little more neighborly, civil than others. But Israel is socked in by, by a, a culture that hates its culture. Socked in, hemmed in. And, of course, this prophecy was fulfilled even back, back in Jesus, after Jesus' day. And, and, and stones, not stones were unturned. Not one stone was left unturned in all in the destruction of Jerusalem. And so we've been asking the question, do I love others? As Christ loved me. Am I seeing others and caring about them? This is maybe not your typical Palm Sunday clip from a movie. But there's a little boy in in one of the movies that he he realized that a lot of the people he's seeing are actually dead people that don't know they're dead. They're they're walking around. They're still. But he, he, he and 
And so he has some interaction. Bruce Willis is this counselor that he's talking to. And I just, I just want us to listen to what he says, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Forgive me if some of you will have nightmares tonight. But you know, God's Word says that we are dead in our sin before Christ comes and turns on the light of life through faith in Him. Folks, we walk among a sea of dead people who don't know they're dead. They only see what they want to see. Heaven, forgive us for when we only see what we want to see or get disgruntled when we don't see what we want to see. Heaven, forgive us because they're everywhere. We see them all the time. And do we love these people as Jesus loves us? Love takes initiative is your next blank. Because we ache for the best, we're going to call them to the right choice, away from the wrong choice. Love is going to take initiative, which means it's going to start. It's going to take the step. The fishermen get out in the boat and go out in the water. They don't wait for the fish to come up on the shore to catch them. Love takes initiative and and goes and develops relationships. Jesus, uh, in that passage that he said, as the fathers love me, so have I loved you. I laid down my life for my friends. What, what the Father's commanded me, everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you. I'm coming after you. It's not about your religious practice and you've done good enough in the temple. It's I'm coming to you to speak the truth to you and, and to call you to real relationship. I am coming after you. So, so Jesus shows that we need to develop this step of discipleship. As first, we've got to get to know folks. And we have to have a certain goal in mind. And that second step is the eye of discipleship and it identifies spiritual understanding levels. Love, if I care what's best for them, then no matter how cush their earthly life is, but they have an eternal soul that's going to live forever, what's, what's my biggest concern for them? If I love them and I ache for what's best for them, it doesn't matter how nice of a home they live in or what kind of a car they drive. It doesn't matter how cush and how nice and how posh it looks and is. But without it, if they have an eternity that's not with the Lord, they're in big trouble. 
And, and I, do I love them to where I'm going to understand, okay, in their existence, what do they understand spiritually? We can't come to understand that unless we're in interaction. Until we develop a relationship, we start to connect. And, and then we start to grow in our understanding. And Jesus, he, he covers all the bases, and they're all covered in two words that you have in these next blanks. The seekers. Jesus reaches out and is proactively developing a relationship with the seekers. Now, this one, Zacchaeus showed his desire, but in Luke 19, 1-4, Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And we know the story. Jesus saw him, said, you come down. I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus encountered the Lord. He paid back everything multifold that he had robbed from people and cheated from people as this privileged place of tax collector. He committed to do that. He was changed by an encounter with the Lord. But Jesus saw those who were seeking after him. He came down the path. And he connected with him and built intentional relationships. So if you're seeking the Lord today, he's not hiding. If you're wanting to know more about this relationship with Jesus, he is right here saying, come on, connect. Why do you think I brought you here today? I want you more than Uncle Sam does. I want you. And I'm here speaking to you and telling you, if you're seeking me today, I'm right here. Ask me. Ask me to forgive you. Ask me to invite me into your heart. I will come into your life. And we will start this beautiful relationship. So, it's the seekers and it's the sought. The sought. Those who seek and those who, uh, those who He seeks. Jesus in Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The parable of the coin, the parable of the sheep, the, you know, the coin's not looking to be found, it's just sitting in its lost place. And many of these people, we said they're dead, they don't know they're dead. It's a hard time for us to say, you know, it's not probably the first start to building a relationship with them is, hey, good to meet you, you're dead in your sins. Probably not the best way to build the relationship. Because that's not what they're, they're not looking to be found, they don't think they need to be. We need to come alongside and start learning and loving and and, and learning where they're at and, and addressing and meeting them where they are. Paul's model was that, that he, he wrote things as, to those under the law, I became one under the law. To those apart from the law, I became as one apart from the law. I became all things to all men so that by all means some might be saved. He was standing in a pagan temple with, with pagan gods where you know if, if you saw me walk out of a pagan temple, you'd think, Wow, what's our pastor doing? Is he mixing gods? You know, but he wasn't afraid to be in their world because they were just statues. They're just pieces of rock that are shaped like heads, and that's all they are. And he's got living God in his heart that he can come and be around these people, and he can be around their false gods and call them what they are. He li- he cared enough to be close to them, they so they could listen to him. He says, "You worship this thing. Here's one of your gods on all these pedestals. Here's the unknown god. You guys worship the unknown god. I tell you what, I worship the one god who is to be known, the one true living god. And he witnesses in the middle of a pagan temple because he's close. He was educated in the ways of the world, and he and he shared his life with Timothy and Titus and Onesimus. Took them under his wing, and he made disciples for Christ. So love takes initiative. We see dead." We see dead people walking around like normal people. 
They don't know they're dead. <laughs> they're everywhere. Well, love's going to do something about that. And love doesn't just take initiative, but love makes friendships. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. If anybody deserves servants, it's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created us and with one word can wipe us out. If anyone deserves servants, it's him. But because he's love, my heart is to call you friends. I want to call you friends. That's what I created you for. It's for us to be friends. And, and you know my master's business and I'm, and I'm calling you friends. My command is this now, love each other as I have loved you. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus came, He took initiative and He came to make us His friends. And we must do the same. Some of you know what this next blank is. You probably have it filled in already because this is not a new statement. I've heard it quite a bit from several of you. But your next blank says this, we must realize no one cares what you know until they know that you care. No one cares what you know till they know that you care. We must, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to care about the dead people we're walking among, we must take initiative, build relationships. And this next blank is one you probably never thought you would write in church. It's funny how all the heads look up and all that. They hear that statement and go, what's he going to say? But this is a real sincere question. Am I saying to people, you can go to hell. Now, I'm not using that in the earthly slang, you know, ungracious conversation. But if I'm not taking initiative, I, I am to be salt and light. I am God's agent. I'm in their world. And I'm not doing anything about their spiritual condition as lost and headed for hell. Well, then what I'm doing is more important. You can go to hell. I'm busy this. You can go to hell because I don't think I know enough. You can go to hell because I... See, love is going to ache and say, I don't know what I got. I, I, I'm not Mr. Evangelist, but I love this person. And I'm going to do whatever I can to be salt and light and take initiative and build relationship and see how I... And they might know the Lord a little bit or they might have some history and I can meet them there and get them on the journey that they're obeying His commands and growing in that friendship. But if they don't know the Lord at all, that's not my place to really... But if they don't know Him at all, I know what Scripture says about that. And so is my life, my lack of investment in the lives of lost people, it is basically telling you can go to hell. Christians must have a sense. Oh, I didn't put that up. And Christians must have a sense of urgency. Urgency. If uh, you're in a boat that went down and you're, you're, everyone's floating in the, and they're starting to drown and all your friends and family are, are floating and, and running out of energy and starting to sink down and, and you know that their life is going to be over soon but a rescue boat has come by and plucked you out of it and it's speeding for them. Do you not have a sense of urgency to go and call to them? One more minute! Hang on! We're coming! Get in the boat! Get in the boat! And they might not want to get in the boat. You're like, get in the boat! You're going to die! <laughs> Do we have that sense of urgency when we're talking about people's eternity? For Isaiah, 
in that passage it says this, By myself I have sworn, by my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear or confess. Everyone's going to give answer to God. Everyone's going to admit His Lordship someday. The question is, is it in regret? Or is it in life and reception of Him? And Revelation 21, yes, we're going there because love calls away from the wrong choice. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I love you enough to say there is a hell and you don't want to go there and God doesn't want you to go there and I'm calling you from the wrong choice today. God is calling you from the wrong choice today. And are we doing that for others? Do we have that sense of urgency? And so you're here today. Maybe you've not been in this journey, but ask yourself, do I know on this day what will bring me peace? Jerusalem thought they had this Jesus figured out what He was going to do for them. Have you gotten upset at Jesus because He wasn't who you wanted Him to be at one point in your life? You prayed for a relative to be healed and they weren't healed and so I'm done with this God thing because He wasn't who you thought He should be in your life? You weren't living and letting Him be God, but you're wanting Him to do everything you asked, but you're hearing this Word today. It's tough. It's hard. I would apologize, but I know it's true and it's loving to share it and let you think about it. God loves you today and and He's asking you, do you really know? It's not about enjoying the worship and the music style or not. It's not, about, it's not about being here enough times to appease my anger. Because I love you. I took on everything that, ang- that angers the sin and the death that sin causes. I took on myself. It's done. It's finished. I, I, <laughs> you don't have to appease me. Receive me. Let's go. Let's be friends. <laughs> So do you today know? Am I, am I in Him? Am I remaining in Him? Am I obeying His commands? Am I doing what He's called me to do? Or am I the one He's weeping over? Am I one that Christ is weeping over today? Going, oh, man, you think you got this religious stuff. Good. If you only knew it would really bring you peace. I, only you can answer that question in the presence of the Holy Spirit today. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you come, that you take the words from this human mouth that you have inspired, that you have asked me to share, and that your Holy Spirit will speak to each person. For those, Father, who know you and who you know and they're your children, will you speak words of affirmation? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they have fallen short of your glory this morning. I'm sure that each one of us falls short of your glory sitting right here, right now. We do. And yet some, Father, may need to hear you say, I know, I see all that. You're going to fall short. I've begun a good work in you, but we've got a lifelong of work to do. But you're my kid. You're my son, my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. 
Heavenly Father, will you, by your Spirit, speak words of affirmation to your kids in this place today? But Father, will you let us be close enough to you today that those among us will hear the words you utter sitting on the donkey before you ride into town? That some in here might need to hear you say, Oh, my created life, if you only knew what would bring you peace today, but now it is hidden from you. Heavenly Father, will you speak that? And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, will you give those that, are, that sense that you are weeping over them, will you give them the courage to say, Oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for being one that you're weeping over. I want to be your friend. I want to accept your work on the cross. I am a sinner. I've been doing it my own way. You've not been, I've been trying to make you the God I want you to be, and, and you're not. And I'm going to receive you as the God that you are. And I'm committing to obey your commands and be your child and live according to your loving call to the right choices throughout Scripture. If you want to do that today and you want to receive Christ as he rides in today on this Palm Sunday in this environment, will you raise up your hand and let me pray for you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now? Anybody want to do that? Anybody? Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray for these that have raised their hands and maybe those who just couldn't do it. I pray that your Holy Spirit will just come and you do the work with them, Father. Thank you for your forgiveness being free and complete. For you receiving these requests and forgiving them. And as they repeat with me in their heart and mind, Heavenly Father, I confess to you that I'm a sinner, been doing it my own way. I want to choose your way today. Forgive me and come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. You be God and I will be your child. Let's do this thing, Father, and walk together. I want to remain and I choose to remain and I commit to remain in your love. Thank you, God, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 That's worth celebrating. (laughs) So do I know? Maybe I do. So the next question for me then, am I weeping? Do Do I love others as he loved me? Do I love others as he loved me? Jesus wept over those who did not know what brought them peace. Am I weeping over my city because they do not know what will bring them peace? Am I reaching out sacrificially to bridge them to Christ? Am I taking the time, taking initiative to make friends, developing relationships wherever I am, seeking out the lost, whether they're seeking or not, definitely taking advantage of opportunities that the seekers provide, but looking for those that are lost who don't know it, and bridging relationships so I can be salt and light for the kingdom. I have the ushers. They have something before we close our time in prayer. We're going to have another invitation of prayer for people, but Mark, are we ready? Are the ushers ready? Thank you, brother. Um, going to give everybody a tool to take home today. One to the power of one. You see some of the logos on top. But it says in this bookmark, five people God is asking me to pray for to disciple. D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E. We came forward last week 
and we prayed at the altar over people. We asked God to lay them on our hearts. Well, we want to put this into some action. This is a bookmark you can keep in your Bible. That when you have your quiet time, wherever you are in your reading of Scripture, put this bookmark there so when you come back to your time with the Lord, you see these names, you pray for them as a part. Just pray for God's Spirit to work, to create opportunity for you to bridge relationally with them with the intent of sharing your life and the Gospel with them. And I'm going to want to invite you to to write those five names down and keep that so that as we are continuing through this series in the D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E, that, that you will be thinking of these people, praying for them and working diligently in their life. You see, there's I meant to put that up, but there's a copy of the bookmark for you. And you see the words that some of the choirs, the, the, the choirs from Point Loma and Azusa Pacific and all, when they travel, almost all of them will sing this song that says, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. That is a prayer of a person saying, God, help me love others as you love me. Help me ache over where they are and weep over those missing the joy and fullness of life with you and eternity with you. Let me be an agent of your change in their life. Lord, make me an instrument. And maybe you can even invite them to the next Sunday's Easter service, even this week. You write those names down today sometime. Don't have to do it right now. Pray about it. Ask God to give you five names. Rise them to the top. But you may want to invite them. As I said, we're going to break from the, from the series for Easter Sunday and preach about that person you're talking about. They're a life worth saving. They need to hear that. That to God, they were worth doing what He did. And people need to hear that message. And we'll continue on after that. Worship team is going to come. And what I want you to do, I know that we do mixing a couple of things, but the worship team is going to sing a good old hymn of the church, but it, it does have some really neat interjected choruses into it about just as I am. If you need the Lord today, He wants to accept you just as you are. He knows where you're at. You don't need to fix yourself first. Come to Him and let Him start the work. And the people that you're sharing with, don't you try to fix them. It's not your job to fix them. It's your job to get them to receive Christ and let him start the good work in them that he'll be faithful to complete until the day of Christ Jesus. We just got to get them on God and, and he'll take over. And so as we're singing this, I want you to come. And, and, and again, it goes back to who am I to make a disciple? Well, you know, offer yourselves. God, make me an instrument. Oh, I've got a lot of growing to do. I know, but Satan's been lying to me and he's been keeping me walking amongst a bunch of dead people, telling them with my life, you can just go to hell because I'm too nervous to try to share something. I don't think I know enough. And Satan's been keeping your light under a bushel. And God is saying, okay, take that bushel off today. Come just as you are. Your level of knowledge, your level of expertise. If I'm in your heart, you've got me to share. And come just as you are and offer yourself and pray, God, make me an instrument. So come just as you are that you, he, he can use your life to invite others to come just as they are. Sin, dark, broken, broken to be mended, sick to be healed. Jesus said, I came 
the healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick that need a doctor. So you, as an instrument, and the people you're praying for, God wants to accept you just as you are to begin that process. Let's submit ourselves into that work. Let's submit ourselves to be instruments of that work. And let's pray. Come, bring those names, whatever. You may not have all five. You may not have written them down. But let's gather at the altar again and pray for ourselves, for our church, for these unsaved people. Come and let's claim them while we sing this song just as we are.